0: The Growing Destinations podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Learn more about Minnesota's third largest city, which is home to Mayo Clinic and features wonderful recreational and entertainment opportunities by visiting experiencerochestermn.com.
1: Business ownership is lonely. It is really lonely. And just sharing these stories and reshaping, reframing what people think as an entrepreneur is hugely beneficial. And we've really worked really hard to share those stories from the perspective of the small business owner, which I think is, is really impactful in this community to hear not just the good things, but the struggles they had too, and how they got through those.
0: Welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast, where we take a deep dive into destination development and focus on a wide range of topics, from tourism and entertainment, to economic development and entrepreneurism, and much more. I'm your host, Bill Von Bank. One of the biggest challenges small business owners face is how to get their business started. My guest today is Amanda Leitner, Executive Director of the Collider Foundation in Rochester, Minnesota. Collider provides ecosystem navigation to help guide early stage entrepreneurs in the right direction by providing valuable resources, education, storytelling, and co-working space. Amanda knows firsthand the challenges entrepreneurs face. In addition to her leadership role with Collider, she's also a small business owner. Amanda Leitner, welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me here today.
0: I'm excited to have you because of your knowledge and your expertise in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But first, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you and your career journey.
1: I grew up around Western Pennsylvania, went to college there in Pittsburgh, and then came out to Rochester to do my PhD in molecular biology here at Mayo Clinic. So that's how I originally got to Rochester, 15 years ago. (laughs) Time flies and doesn't at the same time. But so that's how I originally got here in about 2007, 2008. You know, that was another extremely difficult economic Mm -hmm. situation. You know, as soon as I got into graduate school, I kind of realized that wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. But realized it was a pretty safe place to be for the next five years of a guaranteed job and I did like the work that I was doing and the people but just didn't see like long-term potential with that. So of course, not seeing long-term potential, I went on to do two years more of a postdoc work after my graduation. Wow, you <laughs> <studies>. love education. <laughs> well, I was um not really able to make the change into from being a student into like a first Job That was just tricky. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought maybe medical writing, science, editing, but really just didn't have the skill set. So I thought going to Minneapolis would be a good idea so I could be closer to a lot of industry. So that's what I did. I started working with, it was called Life Science Alley at the time. Now it's called Medical Alley Association and did a nine month internship there. Really just doing market research about, it ended up being animal health Industry in Minnesota. And that's really how I got started was like doing a free nine month internship. And I loved it. I loved sharing stories and information about expertise and talent in a community that I felt wasn't being told. So that's really kind of what started this journey. And I had been, during my graduate work, I had been in a research lab with an individual in Rochester named Jamie Sansbach, who had started an organization called BioAM, which was to support life science entrepreneurs, and got back in touch with him. And kind of the rest is history. That started Rochester Rising, that started me working with Collider, and working towards where I am now.
0: Okay, we are going to unpack some of that. (laughs) Uh, One of them is is you are uh, a newly appointed executive director, or fairly newly appointed of Collider Foundation. Tell us more about Collider Foundation.
1: Yeah, so our goal with Collider is really just to remove barriers for people in Rochester who want to start a business. You know, this vision that anybody who really has a strong business idea and a passion to see it grow, see a different life for themselves and their family, should be able to do that. So that's the basis of what we do. We're a 501c3 nonprofit who we work with ends up being very early stage entrepreneurs here in Rochester.
0: In Rochester, Minnesota, specifically the city.
1: Specifically the city. We feel there was enough work here for us to do and enough people. And once you start getting out to other communities, let's say like Byron, Stewartville, they have very specific support networks and offerings through their economic development associations that we just can't know anything about just because there's so many of them, Mm -hmm. right? So the situation is different for uh, entrepreneurs and small business owners in external communities than in Rochester. So that largely drove us to focus on Rochester. So we really work with early stage people who are at a point where they can focus time and have a little bit of money to move a business idea forward.
0: And and their idea has been somewhat tested?
1: No. No? <laughs> no. So we that was a huge gap we identified a couple years ago in the community is that there are a lot of people here. We have a lot of people coming in who had businesses in other countries, but the system's just different. You know, the legal system, mm. everything's just different of how to establish a business and what the rules are. So we have people walk in the door every day who have one idea, multiple ideas, just don't know how to gauge if it is a good idea. And without us being here, there's nowhere for them to go. So it's like what happens that you just would never see these things come into existence.
0: What services do you offer uh, somebody who walks through your door?
1: One of the main things we do is called ecosystem navigation. And it's just a fancy word to say, we meet with people, sit down, talk with them, understand what challenges they're facing and help them get over it. Again, very early stage. A lot of what we hear is connection to network Right? They're looking for something, but they don't know how to find it, such as a mentor. That's a huge thing that we hear. Just somebody in a similar situation or a couple steps ahead of them that could offer some advice and just making that connection. You know, We'll offer some small business or some startup consulting as well. Very basic things like how do you assess your business idea and know if it has potential? And how do you even set up a business properly here in Rochester? So business bank account getting your employee identification number, registering with the state, just that kind of stuff. That
0: The important legal stuff.
1: The important legal stuff. So crossing all the boxes so you're legally set up properly in Rochester. And licensing and permitting is different in every community. So helping people walk through that so that they are positioned as well as they can be to move forward. So we do. that's a bulk of what we do. We also have um, storytelling, as I'm sure we'll talk about more later. Early stage education, so we're just wrapping up our inaugural uh, co-starters cohort, which was a 10-week program to take people from idea to action. So really having business owners at very early stages help support each other, learn basics of business, and they're actually doing a pitch competition in a week here in the community. So hoping to continue our support with them as they grow their business here in the community.
0: How did that come about
1: my passion is education. We had tried myself and our previous executive director, Jamie Sansbach had looked at so many different forms of education. We started with something through the Kaufman Foundation, which was like, I want to say it was 12 weeks. It was way too intense. It was going from like idea to like, we're selling your business all in this 12 weeks. Oh, week. an exit. Yeah, an exit, which was way too much. Then we tried piecing things together and it just didn't. It was too much time on our end. So then we found this program called CoStarters, which is based out of an organization also called CoStarters in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And their curriculum really makes business ownership accessible. Like they never say the word entrepreneur, because whenever you hear that, if you don't think you're an entrepreneur, you automatically don't think it's for you, right? And it was mainly for brick and mortar and home-based businesses So I'd actually seen this program work in my hometown in New Kensington, Pennsylvania that had been completely decimated when aluminum and steel industries left the area in the late 90s. And I also had a family member go through co-starters in New Kensington and we just really were drawn to it and the success that it had. And what I've been seeing so far is it being very accessible education for people to, to walk through and kind of dip their toes in. You know, there's much more under the surface that they need to unpack, but it sets them up, and brings the community into the conversation as well.
0: So that was a 10-week course, correct?
1: Yep, 10 weeks.
0: I want to go a little bit further into the process of I am a person starting a business. I come to your door, I knock on your door, and I say, help me. Mm-hmm. What do you do first?
1: <laughs> so everyone's different. We've liked to figure out where they are first. Like we were just talking about, do you have these legal insurance accounting banking things checked off are you registered with the state so let's go through those five things that you need to do first and see if you've done them so that's usually where we start with people everyone's different it's usually just having a conversation and trying to unpack what they think the challenges are they're facing and then what we're also hearing and just asking questions to kind of peel back the onion right So everyone's different. Everyone's coming in in a different level of what they need. Sometimes we really aren't the right people to help them, so we'll just refer them in to others. But it's basically just that first conversation to figure out what they're needing, if we're the right organization to help them, and if not, where to send them and then to continue that conversation with them to form that trusted bridge with other organizations and to just let them know, you know, three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now that we remember them and we want to make sure that they're, still moving forward.
0: And you don't necessarily provide funding, just resources, storytelling, education, the additional important pieces in foundation to help an entrepreneur, but funding comes elsewhere.
1: Correct. We felt that at least at this point, you know, with our staffing, we're focusing on what we do best. And there are organizations such as Rochester Area Economic Development, Inc., Banks, if you're set up with good credit, you know, that's not always an option for everybody, obviously. And things like the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation that can help a lot of those people. But there's definitely need for more.
0: What are the biggest roadblocks to success for startups?
1: Again, I'm just talking from what I see and hear, but it's normally network connections. You know, everyone says funding, but funding boils down to, I don't have that connection to the funding, right? A lot of the times it's mentorship and understanding, getting that real life experience from someone who's a couple steps down the road. Now you can back up a little bit further too. And I'd say one of the biggest challenges is even understanding how to get started. That's the bulk of what we do and what I think a huge barrier is, but it's also network connections Especially if you don't have that, especially if you're a female entrepreneur, and entrepreneur of color, you know, you face significant barriers to access network in this community.
0: I've often heard that being an entrepreneur, it, it's a lonely job. <laughs> and so it gets back to the network and, and collaborations and that you that that really, I guess, would you need that to energize you because it can be very lonely to start up a business. And, you know, people may may or may not agree with what you're doing or, or care.
1: Absolutely. And that's how Collider got started as a co-working space to provide that environment where entrepreneurs could come together and support each other. And that's one of the biggest benefits our members say they get from being a member of our co-working space is that collective knowledge and bouncing ideas, talking to other people. I mean, we've had startups and small businesses start organically in our space just from people sitting next to each other and working at different companies. So yeah, that it's extremely lonely, you know, it's extremely risky. And if you don't have someone around you that is open to have those conversations about risk and understanding those ups and downs, it's really tough.
0: So you mentioned co-working and and that Collider co-working was kind of the predecessor to Collider Foundation, but co-working is still a big part of the services you offer. Give us the commercial on your co-working space.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So we run a co-working space here in downtown Rochester. We're expanding to about a 7,000 square foot uh, space on the sixth floor of the Minnesota Biobusiness Center very shortly here, hopefully in the next couple weeks. But, you know, it's just a low-cost space where people can rent a desk. We now have private offices shortly where they can feel like they're part of the community. Again, one of the biggest benefits people said that they get out of our membership is being around other people going on that same journey as them. So it's not just business owners. We also have freelancers, remote workers, and all those people kind of contribute to that community. But that's how we got started that community building through the co-working. And it's a major part of what we'll do going forward.
0: What trends are you seeing right now with startups?
1: Again, I can speak from my personal knowledge. I'm a huge data person, but we don't There's just not much data kept at the state level. I know in general with entrepreneurship and COVID, we've actually seen an uptick in entrepreneurship at the national level, but that was due to more of necessity. So people losing jobs. Um, We're also seeing a shift in who is an entrepreneur. You know, it used to be new entrepreneurs, a large percentage of them were white men. Now we're seeing that shift. Um, The Latinx population actually is making up the highest percentage of new entrepreneurs in the U.S. now. And uh, Black entrepreneurship is also really increasing. So that's kind of national. Here in Rochester, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we definitely saw an increase in support local, shop local. I'm seeing a little bit of a dip in that now. People not as interested anymore. So I would advocate for that. At Collider, we're also seeing a huge uptick in home-based businesses, which are sometimes very hard to find right you don't really know they exist because they don't have a storefront might not be extremely visible in the community but people are rethinking what they thought were stable careers stable jobs and diving into their skill sets a little bit more to um figure out how they can have a little bit more control i'm not saying starting a business you have control you absolutely do not but you can at least feel like you have more of the reins in your hands and can navigate that based on what you're seeing instead of the environment around you.
0: Are you seeing certain trends around industries like more and more around healthcare, technology, food? Can you kind of put a pulse on that?
1: Yeah, we saw a lot in food in 2019. So, right before the pandemic, not so much now, ironically. I'm not really sure why. So, we're seeing a huge rise in like consulting based businesses. So, my guess is, you know, people who left long careers, maybe didn't think they were stable, maybe lost their jobs, who are interested in, again, probably making a little bit more income by doing it on their own. So that's what we're seeing here in Rochester, and the majority of who we worked with this year so far were those home-based, consulting-based businesses and a lot of tech-based businesses. So we do have, in Minnesota, funding and just infrastructure to support more of the tech-based businesses. So we did see a rise in that as well.
0: How has COVID impacted the entrepreneurial ecosystem? What changes or opportunities do you see from the pandemic?
1: I think one of the biggest things, like I said, we're rethinking what we thought was stable. These jobs people were in for 10, 20 years, maybe they weren't weren't as stable as we once envisioned. So,
0: Or is it they are just now wanting to follow a passion? You know, you've mm-hmm. heard the term the great resignation. Yeah. Because of COVID, does some of that play into it as well?
1: I think it does. I think people coming out, I'm seeing, I will say I have seen a huge influx in youth entrepreneurship. So college, high school level. And it could perhaps be that they you know, aren't seeing the stability that like people my age saw in going through college, getting a degree, getting a job, because they're seeing what's happening. So I think there's a lot of really impressive young entrepreneurs in this community that have been doing some incredible things. You know, we saw a lot of great things through um, Rochester Public Schools, through their Incubator EDU program, which was a year-long program to help for students where they actually would like develop a startup, a small business. They'd create prototypes. They'd pitch them in the community to business owners and get some money to develop them further. So to me, that's what I'm seeing a lot of and I'm really excited about. And these students are really enthusiastic. They're one of my favorite people Groups to work with, they want to learn. I would say that's one of the biggest things over the past couple years that I've seen an increase in.
0: How important are pitch competitions in the development journey
1: for startups? They can be super important. I think we talk about startups and then we talk about small businesses. So startups are like high growth potential. So like your tech or med tech, where small businesses are kind of your brick and mortar restaurant-based businesses. So for those small businesses, pitch competitions Aren't really important. But for you know, your startups, like I'll say Dropper for example, they're a Rochester-based startup that developed an eyedrop adapter. And they basically raised a large amount of their seed money through startup competitions. So I, I think it can be, especially for businesses who need a huge influx of money, a great way to do that. And we have a lot in southern Minnesota. But beyond that, like it's not just about winning. Obviously, that's nice. It's about expanding that network, refining your pitch, so you're just pitching again and again and again and again, and each time it's getting better, and each time you're learning what works and doesn't work. So it can be, I mean, it's very, risky is not the right word, but it's like you, you make yourself very vulnerable by going out and doing those kind of things, sharing your business.
0: There's a risk-reward yeah, connected yeah, to it.
1: Yeah, some people think people will steal their idea, which I do not think that's true, but talking about your business and getting more people excited about it is a huge advantage to anybody.
0: Several years ago, you started a podcast called Rochester Rising, which now has surpassed more than 200 episodes. The podcast preceded the Clatter Foundation, but now it's a critical part of your storytelling. What was your motivation to start Rochester Rising?
1: I think it goes back to when we were talking in the beginning. I just felt there were a lot of stories that weren't being told in the community of talent, expertise, passion, and they just, they needed to be told. You know, we hear a lot of people who look to that to understand what the market's like here. Going back to you saying business ownership is lonely, it is really lonely. And just sharing these stories and reshaping, reframing what people think is an entrepreneur is hugely beneficial. And we've really worked really hard to share those stories from the perspective of the small business owner, which I think is is really impactful in this community to hear, not just the good things, but the struggles they had too and how they got through those.
0: It's a great podcast. Congratulations on its success and 200 plus. That's yeah. <laughs> amazing. Are there any that really jump out like, wow, that was so interesting. I never imagined or, or are there just too many to think about?
1: I would say one of my favorite ones was of, it was called Favor, high school students, again, who just started this gig based platform where people would do like yard work and things like that. So you could hire somebody to do like tasks around you, someone were, like TaskRabbit or something like that. That was one of my favorite ones, you know, six young kids just, I shouldn't say kids, young adults, <laughs> passionate about what they're doing. And I've seen them do multiple other things in the community. So one of the original favor founders now is opening a popcorn shop here in Rochester. Another one, we just had him come into our co-starters and give a talk. And like they were just blown away by how like accomplished he was at 23 years old. So that was probably one of my favorite ones. Just like, they didn't even need me in the room. They just had the conversation themselves. And it was really great. So that was probably quite a long time ago at this point, but that's one that I'll kind of always remember just because they were just, like I said, just the passion and the energy and how they worked with each other really stood out to me.
0: You lead an organization to help entrepreneurs, but you yourself are one. Can you speak to your side hustle outside of Collider?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think having a small business myself is really helpful. Like everyone on our staff at Collider Foundation currently has a small business on the side or ran one, which I thought is incredibly important for the work that we do and understanding where people are coming from. So I run two other businesses. I would say probably three. So Rochester Rising was the first one that I would say has a successful quote unquote exit (laughs) getting incorporated into Collider. Um, I run two small businesses with my husband. One's an industrial hemp farm and the other one is a mattress store so very different <laughs> different things but you know it really puts into perspective time and balance and understanding that when i'm interacting with other people but it's been a lot of fun when it stops being fun we'll stop doing it but you know we're people who always like to be busy we always like to be doing things for ourselves as well and it Really, just a lot of the lessons that I've learned, a lot of the resources that I've come across through that have been helpful to me to help other people who are coming through Collider access those as well.
0: As you look at the entrepreneurial spirit in Rochester and more broadly in Minnesota, what excites you about the future?
1: One of the things I think that excites me the most, as a nonprofit, we know this never happens, but as a nonprofit, you want to like work yourself out of needing to exist, right? <laughs> That's the end goal of a nonprofit, but we know that rarely happens. But for Collider, what we'd like to see and what would be a huge success for Collider are entrepreneurs helping each other and doing things that we're doing, but for each other, like these network connections. People could do that themselves. Is it helpful to have an organization that does that? Absolutely. Is it helpful to have an organization that runs early stage business education? Absolutely. But I would say like, to me, one of the biggest Sources of pride I've had over the past couple months is seeing our co-starters first cohort just come to, so we had 12 people enroll in that program, early stage entrepreneurs. They're just helping each other so much. Like they meet outside of the class time without me. They just do it to support each other and work through things that they're facing. They give each other critical advice. They take advice and feedback, which can be really hard Right, <laughs> someone tells you something you don't want to hear about your business, you don't want to hear it. Right, and they just take it in stride, and that's exactly what you want to see: entrepreneurs supporting other entrepreneurs, and are co-working as well. Those natural connections, to me, that's really what we want to see happening in this community, and and we're seeing it again after COVID and after everyone was separated for so long. You know, people want to be together again. People want to be interacting bouncing these ideas off of each other and supporting each other. And that's what we're seeing come back now.
0: Amanda Leitner, great conversation today. Congratulations on your success at Collider and the success your organization is bringing to the community.
1: Thank you so much, Bill, for having me here today.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Growing Destinations podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Find out more about Rochester, Minnesota and its growing arts and culture scene its international culinary flavors, and award-winning craft beer by visiting experiencerochestermn.com.